0: Y'all welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources to help you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 260, I have the privilege of introducing you to one of my friends and someone from my church community, a licensed professional counselor, Carissa Fry.
1: This other beautiful part of attachment theory that we're starting to lean into more is that God himself, through Jesus, is like the ultimate attachment figure. He is always reaching for us. He never fails to respond to our needs. He always loves us. He is never judging us, never shaming us. So to know that when we need to be co-regulated, that when I am feeling like I'm going to leave the window, that I can re- remember the truth of who God is, that I can reach out to him in prayer. Those things are regulating to us as believers because we have this like all-powerful God who adores us and is so delighted to hear from us. So I think that aspect of we're not alone because of God and then the second aspect of we're not alone because we have the family of God.
0: I don't know how familiar you are with the terms attachment theory, polyvagal theory, window of tolerance, but Carissa is going to graciously walk us through what they are taking her professional counseling experience, her master's from seminary, and as a single mom to Varian, all of that together to give us a wonderful framework to understand more about how we're made, how we have the privilege of understanding a little better what's going on in ourselves and in our kids instead of just reacting and responding to emotional roller coasters. You're gonna feel a lot more equipped. It's gonna change how you interact with your kids Today. I think it's going to be one of those episodes you say, Hey, friend, have you heard the window of tolerance episode with Carissa Fry? She has even provided us with a great graphic. If you go to the show notes over at Don't Mom Alone or go to carissafry.com in her resources section, you'll see a graphic that's going to be helpful to reference as you're listening to this conversation and make the concepts a little more clear. And she also has a resource for parents who want to teach these concepts to your kids. If you're starting to feel guilty as you're listening to the show, thinking, oh, I have not responded in the way I've wanted to, just know she's going to share a statistic that's going to make you feel a lot better. And also, if this brings up some pain or hurt from your own childhood and not receiving or having your needs met in a way that God intended, I want you to know that we hear you and we see you and you are not alone parents of kids ages three to seven, listen up. I have a great resource for you. It's this month's sponsor, Phonics Museum app. It's a place where kids learn how to read in record speed. They get that it's overwhelming to figure out how to teach your kids to read. And so they have created an app that helps any learner, whether they're a kinesthetic, hands-on, audio, auditory, or visual learner, they're going to take the guesswork out of teaching them. They also are based on the phonics curriculum over at Veritas Press, the number one classical education curriculum for the last 20 years. If you want to check it out for free, you can sign up for a two-week trial or a monthly membership where you have access unlimited on any device for up to three kids or an annual membership. You can cancel at anytime. check it out at any iOS app store and help your kids get transported into the Magical Museum at Phonics Museum app. All right, let's get to my chat with Carissa. Here we go. Hey, Carissa, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Well, you're going to help us today. My hope is that whoever is listening just gains, one, some knowledge about how God made us and how God made our kids, and two, that they're empowered to operate a little bit differently than maybe they have been. And I don't know, I've heard such wonderful things about the content that you're about to share, and you've shared some with me. And so I want to get right into it. Uh, I know your work is with children and adults, too.
1: Yes, adults, teens,
0: teens, all of it, all the people (laughs) helping all the people. So talk to us about your passion on this window of tolerance and how it can help us as parents.
1: Okay. So getting into the window of tolerance, once I started learning about our nervous system and how regulation works, I was so amazed as a Christian, how much what I was learning was also really reflected in scripture. And it was such a helpful tool as a parent and also as a counselor, as I was working with clients, to just create a lot of self awareness. And self awareness is so important for us as parents and just as people living our lives, because once we're self aware and we're paying attention to our feelings and um, what's going on in our life, we are so much more empowered to make good, healthy choices and live the lives that God has designed and called us to live. Looking at the window of tolerance, So just kind of imagine a window, and this is the part of our nervous system that pulls us into social engagement and connection. This is where we find an optimal amount of energy, where we can communicate well, where we feel connected and safe. This is where our thinking brain, sometimes you'll hear that, that term thinking brain, this is where our thinking brain is engaged. We can consider consequences. We have access to logic, to reason. We can problem solve. We can be curious. And this is also when we're in the window of tolerance. This is when we have an awareness of ourselves, of time, space, of others. So we're attuning in relationships with people. And this is also where we can feel our feelings but not in an extreme way that feels out of control. So you can be in the window and you can feel sad and you can cry. You can feel in the window and be mad. And so we want a full awareness of our feelings in the window. That's a key part of it. We call it the window of tolerance because this is where you learn how to tolerate life. And so in the window, imagine a baby, when an infant is born, their window is very small. They don't tolerate much. So when they get wet, they leave the window. When they get tired, they leave the window. When they get hungry, they leave the window. And so when you imagine the window, now imagine leaving the window up. So leaving the window up is the part of our nervous system that pulls us into fight or flight. And that's called hyper arousal. So we're going into this fight or flight mode. So when a baby gets wet or tired or hungry and they just start screaming their little heads off, it's because they're communicating. I have a need and it's not being met and I'm feeling really terrible inside of my body. And so when we're in this place of fight or flight, our bodies do not feel good. We have too much energy and it can look like rage. It can look like panic attacks. It can look like a lot of fear When we're in this place in our nervous system, we might be yelling, we're defensive, we can be just kind of pacing, we might want to just run away. And one of the really important things to realize is our thinking brain is off in this part of our nervous system. We are no longer registering consequences. And so it's almost this feeling of like when you're talking to a teenager and you're saying, Hey, if you do this, you're grounded. And they say, I don't even care. And it's like, okay, if you do it, you're grounded for two weeks. And they say, I don't even care. And they're just in this place of no matter what you're telling them, the consequences, it is not registering because they're in this fight or flight place. Mm -hmm. And so I love this verse in Ephesians that says, parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that is, fits so beautifully. It's like, why do we not want to provoke our children to anger? Because when we provoke our children to anger, their thinking brains aren't on. They can't receive instruction. They can't be disciplined. And so that's why it's so important to pay attention to where our children are. If they go into this arousal, they don't have access to their thinking brain. And we're wasting a lot of time and energy trying to logic and reason with them in that place. I feel like this is so great
0: that you're coming on right now, because a couple of weeks ago we had Kristen Jensen come on and talk about addiction and helping our kids deal with the Internet and talking to them about the thinking brain and the feeling brain. And then we had Lynn come on and talk about um, dealing with children who are in this fight or flight phase more than the typical child. And so I think it's helpful for parents to know just how we are wired that this, this is how we're wired. And it kind of feels like (laughs) the entire culture is in this hyper arousal state right now. We're just fingers flying on Facebook, back at each other, freaking out on the highway, this hyper arousal state all the time. Are scientists
1: and counselors seeing an increase in this? I don't know if it's an increase as much as it is just an awareness of like being able to define it better. What's Yeah, going on. being able to define it. Because often when I'm sitting with parents and I'm going over this and I'm saying, okay, this is what it looks like to leave the window and go into fight or flight. And then we'll get into what it looks like when you go into this kind of shutdown collapse. So many parents and so many teenagers and so many kids, they're like, oh my gosh. I don't live in the window. I live in fight or flight or I live in collapse. Mm -hmm. And so just putting words to it is so helpful. I do think our culture, we do, we move so fast and we don't give a lot of space for feeling our feelings Mm -hmm. and having a safe place to unpack what's going on or even just pause to pay attention because we're so busy. We have a million appointments and all the kids things and all of our own things and church things and all the expectations and so it's hard to stop and say okay but where am I right now
0: Mm -hmm. okay so tell us about the collapse because I as you're saying that I'm like oh yeah okay so our culture does go there too (laughs) so we are we're in the extremes Um, so tell us what would that look like for ourselves or for our kids
1: okay so when we're Leaving the window downward, and we're going into this hypo arousal place. That's hypo. a place of you're saying hypo. hypo. Yeah. yes, hypo. And um, that is the place we go, and it's kind of like an immobilized place. So that's when we have like instead of in hyper fight flight where we have too much energy, now we have like no energy. This is just exhausted, tired. We feel like we have maybe no feelings or feel numb. Or well, we might, if you're talking to someone who's in hypo, they're just really like flat feelings. So it's just like very monotone. You might get a blank checked out look from your kiddo if they're like that, like kind of trancing. There's like really long pauses when they're speaking, or they might just feel far away, like you're like, you almost want to tap on them and be like, are you with me? Come on, come back mm-hmm. to the room, be with me. Um, because they're going into this shutdown place. And so, you know, in our culture, we talk. We talk about, you know, just like binge watching shows. And that can be a lot of what it looks like when we've had a long day and we're just done and we just go lay on the couch for hours and do nothing. Mm. Um, and so you can see this with teens, especially. Yeah, I was thinking I was like my 14 year old, I feel like he's been going into this
0: state more. Maybe it's around a birthday, but I think as he's gone back to school and with football, when he comes home, it's like, hello, <laughs> like. It's yeah, to have a conversation. Yeah,
1: it is. And so it becomes this place of almost like apathy and giving up. And this is where depression lives. Mm. And again, the thinking brain is not engaged in this section either. So it's like, when a child or a teen goes to this really shut down place, you cannot engage them, their thinking brain until you get them moving. Mm. And so in my office, I will do this thing. I will just pull out my really high tech tool, which is a balloon that I've blown up and I just (laughs) throw it at them. And it's our natural thing to like hit it with our hand back to the other person. And so we just hit the balloon back and forth as we're chatting. And you see them start sitting up, start making eye contact, start laughing, start engaging. And then I've got their thinking brain back online, and I'm getting them regulated. And then we can go into these deeper places of what's behind going into this immobilized place in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's good. So Um, with moms, they could ask their kid, hey, you want to walk around the neighborhood with me? Absolutely. And that might be a good time to connect.
1: Yes. And it's not, I
0: mean, I don't feel like mine's depressed. I just feel like he's just like not talking all of a sudden. And he just says he's so tired.
1: Yes. And so like within the window, we are moving up and down in our regulation all day. So, you know, like we wake up and we're lower we're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm waking up in the morning. And then it's like, you know, as adults, we're like, okay, now I'm going to have my coffee and <laughs> I get going. And then we're starting to have our lunch. And then we start to hit a little afternoon slump and we're starting to move down. And then, you know, we get up from our desk, we go for a walk, we phone a friend and then we kind of pull ourselves back up. And so we like all day long, if you notice you're doing things to regulate yourself, whether that's coffee or a walk or a phone call or moving around Because we're constantly trying to get ourselves into the sweet spot of of feeling okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's normal to be moving up and down what we want to avoid. And that's when, when people are really living only in hyper arousal, that fight or flight, and only in that collapse freeze. That's when we start looking at, oh, we probably need to bring in a third party to help us. Because when you're just living in those places of survival... It's really hard to do life because you can't connect with people.
0: Mm. And so people probably do they start using other strategies, coping strategies to try to get back into the window?
1: Yes. So when we're in these extremes of the hyper arousal and hypo arousal, that's when we're the most susceptible to these maladaptive coping strategies. So all these behaviors that we want our kids to avoid and we don't want to be doing either that's when we're most susceptible to them because, you know, as we're learning how to build tolerance in the window, that's actually resilience. So we're building resilient kids when we help them learn how to stay in the window. But when they're living outside of the window, they actually become masters of survival and the things that we learn how to do to survive as children, Which that can be, for some little ones, it's like, I'm just going to be a super people pleaser because that is how I'm going to keep myself safe. If I'm really, really, really helpful and please a lot of people, they will love me and they will keep me around. Or it can look like avoidance. So some kiddos go into a place of, I'm going to be self-sufficient. I'm not going to need anything. I'm not going to have emotions. It can also look like withdrawal or isolation or Again, these kind of behaviors that, oh, as parents, we start feeling, you know, really scared are going to happen. But when kids are in that master of survival place, that's when they do start checking out in later stages to kind of, okay, I'm just going to play video games all the time. I'm going to start looking at porn. I'm going to start doing drugs because these are the kind of things that actually temporarily might make us feel better in the moment, but they're really addressing how uncomfortable we feel in our bodies, how uncomfortable it feels to have too much energy. And how do I release that? How do I change that feeling quickly? Well, porn gives you that change in your body that feels good. And also in that collapse state, when you're totally numb and you have no feelings or maybe it's such an intolerable feeling you're having, that's when kids can get into cutting because it gives us a different feeling. And I know, like, as parents, we're like, oh, my gosh, why would you ever do this to yourself? But it is so intolerable to feel nothing that they would rather feel pain. Mm -hmm. And so when they go into those really shut down places, that's when you start seeing those behaviors. So you
0: talked about how they become masters of survival. How as parents and the parents who are listening to this, they want to do the best that they can. And I know they're leaning on God to be their guide and to fill in the gaps. But What does it look like to create that secure attachment so that our kids don't have to move into those extreme places and and become masters of survival where they go to negative coping mechanisms?
1: Yeah. So good news. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have this term in attachment theory that basically says to be a good enough mom that your kids turn out okay, you have to meet their needs about 30 percent of the time. Which is just, I mean, there's part of me that's like, that's that's what the research shows. And it's like, okay, 30%. Like, that's like 10 times that your kid's like, mom, mom, mom. Like out of those 10, three of them, you're like, yes, dear. (laughs) And you you respond and you get them food or you (laughs) listen to
0: them. Oh, great. It's not 100%. It's not 100%. And so everyone feels better now. (laughs) Good. Okay, I hope y'all do feel better. Another thing I want you to feel better about is if you are like a lot of parents, you've spent time agonizing over when to get your son or daughter their first phone. Perhaps you've held off because you're just not ready to risk all the safety concerns that come with cell phones. I totally get it. That's why I was excited to learn about Gab Wireless, G-A-B-B Wireless, which has developed a phone that's actually safe for kids. Gab phones offer unlimited talk and text, but there's no internet and no app store. That means no social media, no games, no inappropriate content. In other words, no problems. The Gab phone looks like a smartphone, so your kids are excited to use it, but it's completely safe so you have peace of mind. With Christmas around the corner, this could be the perfect time to get your child their first phone. Visit gabwireless.com, and if you use the promo code DMA2019, you'll get their special offer just for Don't Mom Alone listeners. That's DMA2019 over at gabwireless.com, and that gab is with two Bs. All right, let's get back to my chat with
1: Carissa. Here we go. So just imagine, like, I think it's so easy to see with infants, like we're holding an infant that's crying. What are we doing? We're holding them close to our bodies. We're breathing with them. We're doing that. Sh- 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 sh. We're rocking, we're padding. That's co-regulation. We are connected to them. And because we are calm, they can lean into the calmness, you know, after we're meeting those needs and they can lean into that calmness and be regulated with us. And as children get older, so then imagine a toddler. So when a toddler has their ice cream and there is liquid it and it falls onto the ground and they immediately leave the window, my ice cream. Oh my goodness. You know, and they're just losing their little minds. And then we try and engage. They're in hyperarousal in that fight, flight. And then we try and engage their thinking brain. I'll just give you another ice cream. Why are you crying? This is not a big deal. Look, here's another ice cream, but I don't have my ice cream. You know, and it's like this. It doesn't make sense anymore. And so that's when we have to notice, okay, they're in hyperarousal, The logic isn't working. So that's when get on your knees on their level, open your arms, pull them close it's okay, this is hard. Oh my gosh, you're so sad about your ice cream. And so they can calm down because you are calm and you're inviting them into that regulated space. And once they join you there, then you can say, hey, do you want to get another ice cream? Okay. Right. And then we can like move forward. So really co-regulation is just responding to the needs of our children by being safe wise and showing that we have the power to keep our children safe and make wise choices on their behalf um, and that we're kind. And so if, if children have like sometimes in the playroom, we call it a safe boss. I'm your safe boss. I'm here for you. I know what to do and I'm kind and I just delight to be with you. Gosh, that's what kids are longing for. And so if we can be that about 30% of the time, (laughs) then our kids learn the skill of living in the window, being able to tolerate life, even when it's uncomfortable and building resilience. Yeah, because when I, when you
0: first told me about this, I felt so much guilt, like, oh, my stars, I've messed up so many times, like responded to this dropped ice cream with, What? Why did you do that? Like, or whatever it is, spilled milk, Uh spilled, hitting, whatever it is. Like, why did you do that? Instead of feeling the emotion or reflecting back what they're, you know, feeling. And uh, so to know 30% feels a lot better, feels Mm -hmm. a lot better. But what do we say to that parent who maybe the co-regulating isn't happening because they're not in the window of tolerance themselves? How do we help that parent
1: Not feel guilt or shame, but be that safe boss. And I love for parents to have open communication with their kids on this and say, you know what? As a family, we've been yelling too much and I don't feel good in my body when I yell. And I know you don't feel good in your body when I yell or when you yell. And so we're going to do a family reset that's when the mom and dad are going to talk about modeling. Okay. When I, am feeling so angry, I need to take a break. And so we model and verbalize out loud to our children. I am so upset. I'm going to go in my room and take a timeout, take some deep breaths, and I am going to come back for you. And so we're, we're not leaving without saying anything. We're not creating a sense of When our kid gets upset that we just disappear and don't come back, so we're communicating verbally to them, I'm upset, I'm going to go take my deep breaths, I will come back for you, and we will keep talking about this. And so giving ourselves as parents permission to step away for a moment, to take some deep breaths and get back online, because one thing I think is really helpful to be aware of is If I am dysregulated, I cannot regulate my child. So if I'm in fight or flight and I'm yelling, there's no amount of yelling that brings my child back into the window. And sometimes parents think the yelling is working, but what you're doing, the child isn't going into the window, they're going into collapse. Mm. And they're going into that fear place of like, I'm just going to get really still and small because I am so afraid (laughs) of what is going to happen if I don't. Mm. And so sometimes it feels like, oh, my yelling is working. And it's like, no, you're just sending your child into a collapsed state. You're getting temporary
0: control. I mean, that's when I would use yelling. When I had all the four young babies, it was like, I just need control right now. And
1: Mm -hmm. the way I
0: get control is by being bigger and louder because you all feel much bigger than me to have four of you to manage and yeah. so I felt out of control. And yes, so then I would. But you're right. It does. It just creates them. They're not engaging and learning. They're just shutting down unless they have that personality, the challenger personality. Right. <laughs> and then they join you in the hyper arousal. And then you're you're face toe to toe and they become mm-hmm. the spokesperson for all the kids. And so that becomes a different, you know, the dynamic in that relationship gets uh <laughs> not so great. I mean, you're relating, but not in a way that is soft and cozy and warm, but more just a lot of conflict and aggression. So,
1: yeah. And no one's in their thinking brain. No. So you have a whole room of people that are not thinking anymore, not thinking about consequences. And that's when. Yeah. And I feel like, yes, with
0: boys right now, (laughs) we are definitely in this phase where There's a lot of hyper arousal and just everybody jumping on everybody. And it's just like this, Mm -hmm. like a mob kind of, (laughs) you know, they say mother boys is mob. That's what it can feel like. There's this mob of intense emotions and not a lot of thinking. You know, they say boys are very responsive. I feel like that's where we go as a group.
1: Mm -hmm. When especially you can see that. When you have a kiddo that has been keeping it together all day at school, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to have that self-control all day at school, staying in the window, trying to be the kid that, you know, you're raising them to be. And then they come home and it's like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and they're just going crazy because they have all this energy stored up. So yes. my mom used to send me to run around um, the cul-de-sac when I got home from school because I was that kid that was like so perfect at school. And I'd come home and just go nuts and, and so just fall be, like, apart, running laps. Yeah, running laps around the neighborhood before I came back home. Oh, OK. All
0: so, so helpful. Let's talk about the spiritual angle to this for those who are followers of Jesus and want to know more how we can integrate like you did at the beginning um, with Ephesians, like how do we integrate this science that is supporting what God, God created us. So it's not new to him, but what else have you learned as you've been researching this and working with clients?
1: So one of the things that has really stood out to me is that when we're living in the window and living in this regulated place, When you think about the fruit of the spirit, self-control, kindness, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, love, those traits are available to us in the window. But when we leave the window, we're not typically having a lot of self-control. We're not typically having a lot of joy. We're not very gentle or kind when we're in fight or flight mode because we're surviving. And we kind of don't care. We're just trying to get through it. And so for me, it has been helpful to kind of be aware of the idea of walking in the spirit. that because we have the spirit within us that in Philippians 2, 13, God promises he gives us the desire and the power to do what he calls us to do. And he delights to grow the fruit of the spirit in our life. And so to lean into that truth that when we live in the window and we feel like we keep leaving the window, that we can lean into the Lord's promise that he is delighting to grow the fruit in our life that looks like self-control and kindness and patience and joy. And so I think that part is really an important piece to just kind of notice like, gosh, walking in the spirit feels a lot like being regulated and living in the window. And we have supernatural access to power that helps us do that. Yeah.
0: I love, I was reading today in second Thessalonians, like it's not that God asks us to live this way and then leaves us on our own. It said, you don't, you may not even have faith, but God's faithful. He'll even direct our hearts to his love. Like he's, going to be the motivator and the power source and the director of these things. It doesn't have to be this pull yourself up by the bootstraps, mom. You need to be a better mom. You should get into this window. It's all up to you. I think it's like the third aspect of my don't mom alone is that you don't, that God is with Mm -hmm. you, that the Holy Spirit is Mm -hmm. empowering you. And the mom that you want to be is right at your disposal if you turn to God and say, be alive in me, help me live as Christ, like help me. And when we take a hot second and we remove ourselves from that flesh piece, which wants my way right now, control, um, I'm fearing their safety. I'm fearing others' approval. When I go into the fear places and the fruit of the flesh, that is not the mom I want to be. But if I'm turning to God and saying, you empower me, you be that source and you the one who is the grace when they're not acting in a way I'm really happy with right now. I'm <laughs> Just not. Yeah. Then I can go to bed without guilt because I've leaned on him to lead me to that window of tolerance. Um, I love that, Carissa. I love that image and how you kind of are bringing together all of these things, all of these theories and
1: science and truth. It's amazing. Well, then when you're talking about not being alone, yes, because This other beautiful part of attachment theory that we're starting to lean into more is that God himself through Jesus is like the ultimate attachment figure. He is always reaching for us. He never fails to respond to our needs. He always loves us. He is never judging us, never shaming us. So to know that when we need to be co-regulated, That when I am feeling like I'm going to leave the window, that I can remember the truth of who God is, that I can reach out to him in prayer. Those things are regulating to us as believers because we have this like all powerful God who adores us and is so delighted to hear from us. So I think that aspect of we're not alone because of God. And then the second aspect of we're not alone because we have the family of God. Because, yes. Yes. In Ephes- yeah, in Ephesians 5, it talks about, you know, instead of being, like you said, living in the fruits of the flesh. So we go into these fight or flight or collapse modes, and we're tempted to go into these really fleshly places of, you know, drinking or checking out or being angry or controlling through people pleasing or perfectionism. Instead of doing those things, we can be filled with the spirit. And it says, speaking to one another with psalms hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And what we know about regulation is rhythm, dance, singing, doing that corporately and together is incredibly regulating. And we have in scripture that says, you know, if we participate in the body of Christ and we do these things together we are regulating ourselves. And that's part of how God has designed us. And then he's given instructions in his word about how to live this life that he's called us to live and is empowering us to live. So it's really beautiful. And you
0: also mentioned to me, like just this power of community that this family of God can heal the wounds from our family of origin. If you are feeling like, you know, maybe your parents didn't even give you that 30%. Mm -hmm. And there are real wounds and you were a master of survival and you haven't told a soul. You have never talked to a professional counselor. You have never told a friend and you've just been walking life with this pain. I just think it's really powerful what you said about the family of God and this corporateness and this centering and this healing available to us when we let people in and let people know that that's part of God's design, too.
1: It is. And One thing I think, especially if your story is one of being a master of survival, is to be aware that when we have lived as survivors and we are used to just enduring and we kind of don't know what it really feels like to be loved and connected and safe because our body never had that when we were little, that intimacy, vulnerability, authenticity are actually triggering Because it is so uncomfortable to feel those things when you've never been safe. Right. And so it feels very, very risky when you're a master of survival to risk trust, to risk sharing, to risk being vulnerable. And every little
0: thing that looks like an attack or a discounting Mm -hmm. of that vulnerability causes you to pull. Away again.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Now I'm going back in my fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. No fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, Carissa, this is super, super helpful. Is there like a book on this? Are you going to write a book on this? Or is there a resource we can point people to if they want to learn more on this topic?
1: Well, I will have the infographic posted on my website. Okay. And yeah, on the website, they'll have the infographic and then I'll have another couple of resources. Is there a book for kids that you can talk to them about these states and this window? Yes. There's a great kids book. I think it's called Rosie's Brain. And I read this with my son and it, it talks about the different parts of our amygdala. It doesn't go over it in the same way that we just went over it, but it helps kids access you know, when their amygdala takes over, which is that fight or flight place, it can be helpful for that. So I'll put that on there too. Okay. Thank
0: you for taking time today. And I will link to your website uh, in the show notes. Y'all can find Carissa there and uh, just really appreciate it. appreciate you encouraging us and teaching us and training us on how to be the kind of parents we want to be. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I love that Chris pointed us back to how God is the perfect responder to our needs and how we have the privilege of walking alongside each other and worship in that. I've got more episodes coming your way in the next few months with personal stories of that being true in people's lives. And so I love how she set that up. I want to pray for us as we're processing this information. Lord, I know that... You are not a God of condemnation. And so I pray that anyone who is feeling just a burden for how they have parented in the past, that you would remind them the truth that every day we have new mercies and that we can't shame the person we once were, that we did the best that we could with what we knew at the time. And I pray that this new information would only help parents and children understand how you've made our bodies so that we can work closely, be united as one body of believers. I pray for the grief that this conversation may bring up for anyone who has experienced trauma in their past or a parent that didn't meet their needs, even 30% of the time, Lord. I pray that you would make yourself so known to them as their ultimate caregiver, the one who fills in all the gaps I pray that we rely rely on you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, I want to let you guys know that I went to Mexico back in April. They filmed a documentary and access to that is going to be happening soon. We're also in the works talking about doing a little uh, screening of the documentary. It's about a 45-minute video. So stay tuned for details about that. We're looking for theaters and dates. And also it'll be available in several little videos with a discussion guide. So it's something that you could even maybe do with your podcast club if that's a conversation you wanted to be having about refugees, immigration, and all the things. So stay tuned for more details about that. Uh, I'm always keeping people in the loop over at olaheather.com. if you haven't signed up. that's a great way to just make sure you're always informed on what's going on at Ola. It starts with an H like Heather, Olaheather.com. alright you All right, y'all have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you.